G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. History Makers with Matt Prater. Coming off of drugs, you're going to have emotional problems, but I kept chasing after God. And he's using this vehicle to bring people out of the dark into the light. And I went forward and I knelt at the front, and it, it was a radical conversion experience. And that's where the big change happened, and that's where we decided we're going to use our music for God, we're going to change our songs. When I was about 25-year-old, I was uh, busted and into jail, and it was there that I came to the Lord. History Makers with Matt Prater. Hi, and welcome to History Makers. I'm Matt Prater. Today we're coming to you from the Light FM in the Cove in North Carolina at the Billy Graham Training Center. And uh, today we're catching up with Clayton King. For over 35 years, he's been preaching the gospel all over the world in over 54 nations. And he's a native of South Carolina. He's a part of a great church called New Spring. He's a teaching pastor at New Spring Church. We're going to hear a bit of his ministry today, a bit of his story. Uh, welcome along, mate. Tell us a bit of your, your background. Where were you born and raised? Yeah, so I was born in Charleston, South Carolina, but I didn't find that out until a couple of years ago because I was adopted. Uh, and I did a DNA test and found my biological family and found out all about my my birth. I was raised in a little town called Fountain Inn, South Carolina on a farm. So I'm a, I'm a farm boy and grew up out in the country hunting and fishing and working hard every day, six days a week. I uh, was raised in a Christian home, went to Christian school for 11 years. Uh, my parents were Baptist. I went to a Presbyterian Christian school. My grandfather was Pentecostal. So I grew up uh, in the church. My mom and dad were great people. And then when I was 14 years old, I gave my life to Jesus one night at a, at a youth rally. And that same night that I was saved, I was literally at the altar praying the sinner's prayer to receive Christ and, um, and felt called to preach the gospel as I was being saved. And uh, that was literally never even a thought that I had had up until that point in my life as an eighth grade, 14 year old kid. Never wanted to get to go into ministry, never wanted to be a preacher. No preachers in my family had uh, other ideas and other plans, but of course, God's plan prevailed. So that was 35, uh, 36 years ago. And uh, I live in Anderson, South Carolina now with my lovely wife. We've been married 23 years. I have two boys. Jacob is 20 and Joseph is 17. Very cool, mate. I love hearing people's conversion stories, and so often I hear of stories uh, of people coming to Christ at a youth camp or at a youth rally. Uh, tell us a bit about how did your life change after you came to Christ? I mean, it was immediate. Um, I, as a 14-year-old kid, I had never been drunk. I'd never done drugs. I'd never committed heinous crimes, but I was a sinner. Um, immediately, I think I became aware of uh, how much God loved me. And from that place of just receiving God's love and grace, all I wanted to do was tell everybody. So I went back to school the next day and started sharing with all my friends. I'd made a decision to give my life to Jesus. Um, and then also almost immediately began preaching. So that night that I got saved, that I became a believer, 
the next day, I, I, I didn't know I was preaching, but I began to proclaim the gospel to my friends at school, which was a Christian school, uh, which you'd be surprised how many people that go to Christian school aren't Christians. And uh, then I went to my pastor and I asked my pastor if I could preach on Youth Sunday. And I went to the principal at my Christian school and I asked the principal at my Christian school if I could preach in chapel. And then my aunt, at, uh, she's passed away now, but the church that I attended at that time in my life, my aunt and her husband had a prison ministry. And uh, I asked her if I could begin to go to the prisons with, with them on Sunday nights. First time I went to prison on Sunday night, um, they had kind of like an open mic. Anybody that wanted to share could share. And I jumped up and shared my testimony. And so immediately doors began to open. And that was the trajectory of my life. So literally, I mean, Jesus changed everything for me as a 14-year-old young man. And it's really all I've pursued over the last 35 years. It's all I've ever wanted to do. I've never really pursued any other career path. And in my own personal life, it changed, you know, who I wanted to marry and how I wanted to raise my family. And here I am now, uh, just turned 50 years old, and I can look back over the last 35, 36 years and just see the hand of God and how he has guided me from the moment literally that I was born because I, you know, my mom and my dad uh, were never, were not married. I'm the product of an affair. Um, I could have easily been aborted because I was born right around the time of Roe v. Wade, but God had his hand on my life from the very beginning. And uh, I can see that. And the older I get, the more I can see God's hand on my life and I don't deserve it. It's all been a gift of his grace. Well, let's walk through your story a little bit more. Uh, I'm curious to know about, you know, when you finished school, you know, did you go straight into Bible college or seminary? You know, how did you get, what was the transition into ministry? Yeah. So ministry for me literally began when I was 14. Uh, I couldn't even drive and my parents would drive me places to preach. For whatever reason, uh, God just opened up doors for me to to preach the gospel. I, I never had to ask except for those first couple of times when I asked, you know, my principal and my pastor, can I preach? And so ministry for me was high school. Um, I started a Christian organization at my high school called the Solid Rock Club at Hillcrest High School. Um, They still meet to this day, to my knowledge, almost 40 years later, uh, 36, 35 years later or so. Um, I started thinking about where I wanted to go to college. My goal was to play college football. And I did get recruited to play college football, but I ended up going to a Christian college in North Carolina so that I could major in ministry. So my, my college major at a Christian liberal arts college, Gardner-Webb University, was ministry. So when I started college as a freshman, I was traveling and preaching three or four days a week. I was doing public school assemblies, youth rallies, preaching in churches. So for me, there was never really a moment where ministry started for me after salvation other than like the next day. So I majored in ministry at Gardner-Webb, graduated there in 1995. I was a presidential scholar. I was a graduate of the year that year. I was president of the honors uh, program and, um, and was traveling a good bit. My senior year in college, I formed a nonprofit ministry called Crossroads. And so uh, our, the umbrella is Clayton King Ministries. We do summer camps and student conferences, mission trips all over the world. Uh, we partner with the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association and radio ministry. I've written 18 books. All of that um, started, I guess, officially in around 1995 when I incorporated our nonprofit ministry. Then a few years later, I attended seminary at Gardner-Webb. Um, 
and I uh, really focused in on evangelism because I'm an evangelist and I love to preach the gospel and see people saved. Billy Graham was always a role model to me from a distance uh, as a kid growing up and as a college student, as a seminarian. So that was really kind of the genesis of how our ministry started. And now we're a nonprofit here in Anderson, South Carolina. So I am a pastor at a church called New Spring. I'm minister in residence at Anderson University, which is a Christian college here, uh, about five miles from where we live in Anderson, South Carolina, where my son is attending college right now. And my wife is getting her master's degree. And I'm an evangelist and the president of our nonprofit ministry. And so that's kind of in a nutshell what it looks like now, but it was 35 years worth of discipleship and following Jesus and putting my yes on the table. Um, and I can look back over those 35 years and just see the faithfulness of God. Um, I'm very busy. I drink a lot of coffee. I have a lot of energy. Uh, God, I, I think he gave me that personality from the womb Psalm 139, I'm actually preaching on that in a couple of weeks at my church for Sanctity of Life Sunday. I was reading about that this morning, how God knit us together in our mother's womb. It says he knew us before we were formed in the secret place. And my whole life, I've just had more energy than almost anybody I know. I never meet a stranger. I love people. I love to talk. And I think that God probably gave me that personality because he knew that one day he would would call me into ministry and I was going to need it. (laughs) Oh, well, Clayton, it's so cool to hear about how God has been using you. And I'm curious to know a bit about the ministry of New Spring Church. Uh, you know, I've noticed a lot of homelessness here in the U.S. Uh, does your church do a, an outreach to the homeless at all? Yeah, so we're a multi-site church, and we have campuses in 14 cities across South Carolina. And one of the things that we decided back in 2016, we had a, a major um, leadership turnover in our church. And when we um, began to pray and seek the Lord about what our church needed to look like going forward, we wanted to begin to tithe 10% of our income back into our local communities and into missions around the world outreach. And so each one of our campus pastors in all 14 of those cities gets the freedom to decide uh, what ministries locally we want to partner with and support. And so like right here in Anderson, Our church partners with and supports numerous recovery ministries. Um, Matter of fact, uh, one of our uh, associate campus pastors just this past week uh, led a funeral service for someone that was uh, connected to our church who had been in recovery for many years, a 42-year-old young man who tragically lost his life. And he was able to testify at his funeral that he was a follower of Jesus, that he had given his life to Christ, and he had gone through recovery ministry. Um, My own brother actually is homeless and has struggled with drug addiction for decades and decades. So our church has a real heart for that. And and it, it plays out in all 14 of our cities where our campuses are located. Well, it's awesome to hear that uh, your church, you know, preaches the gospel in words, but also in action, uh, being the hands and feet of Jesus. Uh, such an important thing uh, to make sure that we're reaching out to the the last, the least, and the lost. And I'm also curious about your missions. You know, you say you've preached in 54 nations around the world, and you, you take teams around the world. Uh, what are some of the uh, favorite mission locations you, you've been to? Oh man, how much time do you have? <laughs> so. Um, In 1992, about a year after communism collapsed in Russia, we went with a team 
uh, to Russia on the tail end, uh, about six months, I think, if my timing is right, after the first Billy Graham evangelistic crusade in Moscow after communism collapsed. Uh, that was a trip that really, for me, opened my eyes to the world. I was 19 years old. I turned 20 on that trip, and I was uh, actually chased in Gorky Park by some uh, KGB agents. That's another story for another time. Uh, I was younger and faster back then, so my friends and I outran those KGB agents. <laughs> um, that was a, a really formative trip. And then the very next year, I lived for a part of a semester in Kenya, Africa, and I had a chance to um, live in a, in a home with a family in the bush of Kenya. I got really sick. I caught malaria over there, saw God save hundreds of people. I walked from village to village every day with an interpreter who was also a pastor. We just literally walk into a village in Kenya and I would go to the, the well that was in the middle of these villages and just start preaching the gospel. And because I was a white man from America, everybody would stop what they were doing and come out and listen. That was a formative trip for me. I've been to India seven times. And I think of all the mission trips that I've been on, probably the one that stands out the most to me were the two trips we made to the Himalayas of North India, where we backpacked. In 1998, we backpacked about 50 miles. And then the following summer in 99, right after I married my wife, my wife and I led a trip uh, to India where we backpacked 200 miles in the Himalayas. And we carried the gospel into these um, remote Tibetan Buddhist villages. I saw God do some miracles over there that are New Testament kind of miracles. I saw God raise a baby from the dead. We got to share the gospel with a, a child that was being uh, groomed and trained to be the next Dalai Lama. Uh, we got to lead a Tibetan Buddhist monk to Christ in a remote village that you could only get to on foot. Uh, it, so, so those are some of the places that really stand out to me most recently, uh, two and a half, uh, let's see, two years ago or three years ago, rather, my wife and I had a chance to go to Kampala, Uganda. It was our second trip over there. And she and I had a chance to speak on New Year's Eve in Nelson Mandela Stadium, there were over 100,000 people there that night for this crusade, and 20,000 people responded to the gospel that night for salvation. So that was probably the most recent trip that stands out to me. Um, 54 countries, and uh, I want to, hopefully before I die, I want to hit 100. Yeah. That's, that's one of my life goals. Well, mate, you've got to come down under to Australia, and uh, I understand you've got a couple of Aussies uh, working with you at your church, eh? That's right. Yeah, we do. Our student pastor, Josh Bull, is an Aussie, and uh, Dan Leanne, one of our teaching pastors, is also an Aussie. Oh, very cool. Well, mate, um, before we wrap up, you know, I know that you love to share the gospel. Uh, there might be people listening that have never given the heart to Christ. Would you mm. share with our listeners what is the gospel and how do people respond? The word gospel just means good news. Our world is full of bad news, and if you're on social media or if you watch TV, you're going to hear bad news all the time. And the thing about the gospel that makes it so special is that it is bright light in a dark world. It's hope when our world is filled with so much hopelessness. Well, what is the gospel? The gospel is a person and the gospel is a story. It's the story of the person of Jesus Christ, the son of God who came to earth to live the perfect life that none of us could ever live. He also died on the cross. A lot of people know what the cross is because they see it on T-shirts. They see it worn around necks, decorations in churches. But the cross is a symbol of the sacrifice that Jesus Christ made when he laid his life down 
to take away the guilt and the penalty for our sin. So the Bible says that the, that the wages of our sin, what we deserve because of our sin is death and judgment. But Jesus came to take that judgment. It says in Romans that the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ. So the gospel is the good news that Jesus took the punishment that we deserved. He took away our guilt. He took away our shame. And he took away the penalty for our sin. And the way that you become a Christian, the way that you're reconciled to God, the way that you can have your sins forgiven and your debt canceled is so simple. You simply have to ask. You ask Jesus to save you. It's the reason why I'm, I'm wearing a wedding band. I'm married. Well, the reason why I'm married is because my wife and I made vows to each other. But that would have never happened if I had never asked my wife to marry me. When I invited her to come into a relationship with me, she said, yes, if you will invite Jesus to come into your heart, he's already said yes. He proved his love when he died for us on the cross, and he still loves us today. So if you've never given your life to Jesus, and maybe you feel like you can't because you've made too many mistakes, because you have too many dark dark skeletons in the closet of your past, The good news is Jesus loves you. He loves you just like you are, but he also wants to change you and he wants to forgive you. And so it's as simple as this. Ask Jesus to save you. Just confess your sin to him. Repent of your sin. Tell him you're sorry. And then just simply say, Jesus, I need you. I need you to save me. I believe that you died for me and I give you my life will you please save me, Jesus? And if you'll do that, the Holy Spirit will come into your life. Your sins will be canceled and forgiven, and you can become a disciple, which simply means a follower of Jesus. Salvation is a point in time when you ask Jesus to save you, and then it's a process where Jesus continues to transform you for the rest of your life. It's kind of like being born. Jesus said that in John chapter 3, that if you're born again, you can see the kingdom of God. And the way that I know I was ever born is that I'm alive right now. So when you're born again, it's a moment where Jesus gives you a new life, but then you grow just like a baby grows into being an adult. That's what salvation is. It's being born again when you ask Jesus to save you, and then it's growing in faith as a disciple for the rest of your life. So that's how you give your life to Jesus. You simply ask, and he promises that if you'll confess your sin, 1 John 1, 9, he'll forgive you and it'll cleanse you and make you new. Amen. Well, Clayton, that is such good news. And, you know, if people uh, want to respond to that, maybe you would like to come to Christ or maybe you'd like a Bible or some information about, you know, finding a church, you can contact us through our website, historymakersradio.com. Send us an email through there. Or if you want to contact Clayton and uh, check out his ministry, it's claytonking.com. You can find out more. uh, Search up Clayton King on social media and connect as well. Uh, Mate, it's been so good to uh, connect with you today. Uh, I do hope you come down under and preach the gospel in Australia one day, and I hope to come and visit your ministry at some stage as well. Thank you. This has been an honor. I appreciate it, and good to meet you. God bless you, mate. I reckon you're a history maker. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. If you'd like to hear this conversation again, listen online anytime at historymakersradio.com. There you'll also find links to all of our social media channels, and you can subscribe to our iTunes podcast. History Makers is a faith-based ministry, and we want to thank everyone for their generous support. If you've got a suggestion of anyone we should interview, send us an email, info at historymakersradio.com. 
God bless. I'm Matt Prater, and my challenge to you now is to go and make history. Matt Prater's latest book is now available. History Makers, devotions, downloads, and dad jokes. It will take you on a journey through God's Word and will hopefully give a few laughs along the way. It's just $15 plus postage. Order now at historymakersradio.com. Discounts available for bulk orders. The heart behind this book is to challenge people to get into the habit of daily devotions with Jesus. Find out more at historymakersradio.com. Station sponsor. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.